0: Baby Boomers. I used to be with it. Millennials. Okay, Boomer. Generation X. What's going on now? And Gen Z. (laughs) What do they have in common? Not a lot, it turns out. But one thing they can agree on is that this is the political podcast they want to listen to. Welcome to Not My Generation, the political podcast that looks at political events, news and happenings across the world and at home through a generational lens. Your hosts are Dr. Emily Stacy and Professor James Davenport, two political scientists from Rose State College. But the views expressed on this program are solely the views of the host and their guests and do not reflect the views of Rose State College, its administration, faculty, or students. Coming up on today's program. Hey, don't say it like that.
1: Yeah, that's my most controversial position is that I vote.
2: Air um, the dirty man. laundry.
3: Elon Musk has ruined my favorite place on earth.
2: I hope
0: my mom doesn't listen to this. And now, here are James and Emily. Hey, Emily, how are you? Alive, how are you? I am doing well. I am excited about our uh, podcast today. We've got some great folks in the studio, in the fabulous Possibilities, Inc. studio. Uh, And our uh, fantastic producer, Peaches, is over there uh, doing the, the marvelous work to make this all be professional, and I like uh, the wonderful. over there for for yeah. the listeners. Well, she's right, over it's on it's the like other over side there, right? on the other side of the window. Be more right? descriptive it's, it's,
3: about uh, things, James. The other side of the window. Yes,
0: but uh, before we jump into that, uh, we've had a, a a Republican presidential campaign that went the last time we yeah. we recorded went from like five candidates down to two, kind of maybe. I let's I say like one and a half. One and a half. Yeah. We don't know one, yet. One and a quarter, <laughs> maybe. I think we'll know after uh,
3: South Carolina. I think we already know about South Carolina. I just it's yeah, it, it's uh, don't
0: get me started on Tim Scott. I've got uh, I've got things I can't say I, on the yeah, podcast. I, you know, I'm I'm probably pretty close to where you are about that too. Anyway, so that was interesting to see how. What was interesting was to see how all of these folks drop out and immediately, except for Kiss the Ring, Chris Christie. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. I mean, uh, everybody else out and line up behind Mr. Trump, right? It's, I mean, it's an inevitability where we are in a, a twilight zone of 2020. It's I guess, I guess. Anyway, we have some great guests on the program today. Uh We have Carmen Foreman, who this is her second appearance. She's, I just informed her. She's the only repeat well, only, guest only repeat one. we've yeah, had. Right. And then uh the, uh, the, Marvelous, fantastic. So many adjectives. Uh, sup- whatever superlative you want to throw out, Trey Savage from Non Doc.
1: Thank you. Welcome to be here for my first time. Yes. Uh,
0: we'll have you more often. You're a busy,
1: well, we'll busy see. dude. You're
0: hard to
3: nail Please. down, dude. I
1: almost, what is the, what is the uh, policy on cussing in this podcast? We've got editors. We have the ability dude. to, uh, to leap you out. Well, yeah. you said all the adjectives, and yeah. I've, I was famously called a, <laughs> a bag by this guy. <laughs> Pushing a bill at the Capitol, so there are there are legions of people who know me by that moniker. um, That
0: tracks. I've known Trace for a very long time. Listen, I've been called a variety of names as well, so it's okay. It's all good.
2: I almost feel left out. I don't have any nicknames like that.
1: Well, thank goodness the legislative session is about to resume. So uh, there's there's always time. time. There's time, man. man. You're young, Carmen.
0: All right. Well, we've got some icebreaker questions we want to throw at you guys. Do you want to go first or you want me to? Yeah, because I think this is really going to break your heart just a little bit. Just a little bit because
3: I already know. Uh, So question one, are you Gen X, millennial or other, Carmen?
2: I think I'm a millennial. I'm definitely not Gen X. I don't, I don't, hey, don't TikTok, say it like that. So, or no, don't no. say it like that. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm certainly
0: not Gen X. I'm certainly I not I Gen Z. <laughs> I, d-
1: I don't know the answer to this you question. You and I are millennials. We're We're millennials el- I we think. are elder millennials, real Or question. as the
0: youngsters refer to you as the what oh geriatria.
1: Geriatria. Geriatria. He loves this. <laughs> yeah
3: yeah, yeah. it's painful
1: i uh now do we need to inform listeners of our the fact that we went to middle school together yeah yeah and we hated oh, each nice. other yes like like mutual just <laughs> yeah. Disp- yeah. mutually
3: despised one another and we just ended up in the same realm right like and yeah
1: like Brandy. 10 years later mm-hmm. Uh, e capital. Yeah, Darwin hired uh, the both of us. Yeah. Like one right after the other, like two weeks, three weeks front. apart. And it was we I think I walked in, I saw you, and you looked at me and I looked at you and it was like Okay, and then we became really good friends. It yeah, turned yeah, out like we liked each other more than pretty much everybody else. so <laughs> the,
3: we needed to adult a little yeah. bit, I think, to to appreciate each other.
1: Yeah, yes. But uh, we're very
3: proud of Trey Savage. He's a good so, dude. So
1: we have a d- we have a detente in that we're not going <laughs> to. Neither of us is going to tell stories exactly, of the yeah, other no, one no, from high school. Yeah, come no, on, exactly, no, 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 we are now a union. We've teamed up against the two of you. Come on,
2: exactly. air the dirty right. laundry. You're, uh, yes, no, you are. Th-
1: no, This is a detente. This is a truce. We cease has been in for, force for about five years.
3: We'll, we'll figure this out. Yeah, don't don't answer anything that James Davenport
0: <laughs> asks here. All right, second question. What are you currently reading, watching, or listening to?
1: Mm, um. Well, I have been jamming to the new John R. Miller album for a couple months. Okay. He's got a great, he's from West Virginia, singer-songwriter, um, really good guitar player. And, uh, he's got a, this, I think the first single on his, uh, latest album, uh, is called Conspiracies, Cults and UFOs. Um, and it's a really good song that the album is called Heat Comes Down. Um, so if you're kind of like a John Prine or a Tyler Childers kind of fan, that's pretty good is what I'm watching. I, I recently, have decided to watch the entire series uh, from BBC called Endeavor, which is like the prequel to the Inspector Morse series. Um, As my father taught me as a child, no one uh, reads mystery novels for the plot. It's all about the (laughs) social commentary. And this is very interesting British social commentary in the early to then late early 60s. Then I think it ends in the early 70s. So
2: Um, Trace's answers are a lot better than mine because I have been reading, uh, this Sarah J Mass like fantasy novels that are like super thick and on Uh, uh. all over TikTok, uh, which I'm not on or book talk, I should say. Um, and she has a new book coming out. And so I'm just running through these like 800 page kind of cheesy romantic fantasy novels. I don't know why. And then I'm, I don't know watching Seinfeld every once in a while. Oh, just gone yeah, back to okay. that. Yeah. You are now my favorite guest ever. I need, I need a left, a laugh here and there. You so you are
0: my favorite guest ever.
1: Yeah. I saw a meme making around or not a meme, but just like a, a diagram. And it was talking about it blew my mind, Jerry's hallway can't exist. That if you think of of where if you look at how the kitchen is laid out and where that right. door is. Right. There can't possibly be a hallway that's straight the way you see the hallway. And now it's I think it's
2: your mind is blown. I know. <laughs> I'm never
1: gonna be able to unsee it.
2: That's great. Favorite social media platform. I hate them all. Yeah. Nah.
1: Uh, Fair enough.
2: <laughs> Instagram if I had to choose one.
1: Oh uh, X, I guess. I if know, I had right? To, I guess if I had to
0: I, I can't is get it your on it. Or, or is it the one that you, you use the most? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they use they, the they, most. They I do. For me. It's a, yeah. Uh, Facebook has become useless. Um, you don't know, it's that. funny that, because when we, started, when we started, when we started non doc in that's twenty nice. late twenty fifteen, I mean, Facebook contributed. You know, counted for more than fifty percent of the traffic sure. that we would get, sure. and you would have. You know, every post would have you know, a lot of interaction and people and to the extent that people would like freak out on us sometimes, you know, it was a place where there was a lot of robust discussion. And organic reach has plummeted. Mm -hmm. Their, their ad system is useless. It can't actually micro target anymore, as far as I can tell. The I was just trying to give someone access to our page the other day. And it was like a 25 minute, like deep dive into various settings, platforms and all these I mean, they have built and they become almost dysfunctional, you know, uh, as a, as a product. And, I, and, and I, I still contend that there will be some sort of uh, litigation at some point when, when sort of large advertisers realize that the, that the the eyeball numbers that they're being sold on, mm-hmm. on ads, like they just, can't possibly be real. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't. you know, not to throw that out there in a way where they, you know, scan the internet using AI and, and hear me and send me cease and desist letters. But like, it's just like when we've purchased stuff, like it's just the delay is so bad and all this stuff, they're backfilling eyeballs. Yes. If there's a power outage situation, like think about all the, the eyes they've promised in that like six hour period. Where does that go? How does that, you know, it's in the fine print somewhere, I'm sure, yes. but it's just, it's just so dysfunctional. So we, we are trying to think about how do we get you know, news content out other ways than Facebook. And in fact, I actually had a Facebook, uh, I don't want to say an executive, but like a, a, a you know, a, a corporate team member spoke to the Oklahoma Media Center and we asked some of these questions. And she literally said, you know, you probably just need to find other ways to get news content out than Facebook. And it was blunt about it and was just basically like this is not a platform for news news producers and news distributors Yikes.
3: yeah after the uh, ethics uh, incident back in what 2013 2014 um, I was at the the Oxford internet summer doctoral program and uh, so a bunch of you know internet nerds social media like researchers um, and that was the summer that it had come out that they had been tracking people's uh, emotions right so uh, playing with uh, Facebook users news feed Putting good news and some some uh, feeds on top and others at the bottom and kind of tracking uh, people's emotions after that and as an academic you can't you, they didn't tell anybody that they were doing this right and so uh, it, this you know huge trove of data cannot be used by social scientists because Facebook is completely unethical um, so yeah I've not ever been but I but I also cannot um, I, I refer to it as uh, that formerly known as Twitter um, I cannot Elon Musk has ruined my favorite place on earth um i will never call it that letter oh it Paisy. was already terrible though it was, it terrible, was but, terrible but man the ads i'm getting so much nonsense now so
1: much more nonsense you know what my favorite social media was and it no longer exists vine you're right oh, yeah. six seconds yeah. of a loop video it could only be so stupid there was <laughs> there was a limit on you know it, and i liked that yeah it couldn't be more than it was you know i love it
3: What's your f- favorite social media? No, you just that you, she, you just blanket
1: now. She said, Insta. uh,
2: "Instagram." Instagram, if I have to all choose, right. but it's like the same thing yeah. with the ads all over the place yeah. now. It's like.
0: Oh my dude. Why even bother? Until they change the URL name, I'm gonna keep calling it Twitter because it's still Twitter. It's yeah. If I log on, yeah. I got to go to Twitter.com. They, re- so. they can't rebrand. So that. it's still Twitter. I don't care. I don't care about anything else. Same as these. So you know. All, All right, right. you
3: got to get through these questions, bro. I know, bro. We're, I know.
0: We're, you are uh, killing me. Favorite pastime activity or hobby? Horseshoes.
2: Um, yoga. All right very good good
0: enough all right last
3: one one political view that puts you at odds with your peer group colleagues or family
1: well i i, I, didn't I write once this. did a, a podcast carmen weren't you on the podcast that we did with ben felder and we had a whole discussion on whether journalists should vote
2: yes we did and i, and I vote yeah, I i'm vote a voter too yeah
1: I'm, and some people in the journalism world claim that you're not that, really that, yeah we're that supposed you to be vote? unbiased
2: really and i and yeah. then you dive into the whole, huh. like, some in journalism think that you, you know, have to be a registered independent. And am I am, some, registered, uh, I am too. Yeah. But, like, some people are, like, very mo- journalistically opposed to you registering as a political party. Wow. Yeah. That's in most states, it doesn't, you know, some states, it doesn't really matter, that's right? Because you don't right. have closed primaries. Right. Right. Here. it I don't know. Yeah. Um,
3: That's really interesting.
1: So, yeah, that's my most controversial position is that I vote.
3: Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> Trace is a
2: Democratic yep. citizen. Oh, no. How dare
1: you. I know,
2: right? Um. Oh, man. Uh, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. But every time she calls me now, she wants to talk about what's happening in Israel. And I'm yeah. just like, I don't want to talk about this. Yep. And so maybe, maybe that's the—everybody yeah. wants to talk about that issue right now. I don't want to say a word. I don't want to— have a conversation about it. Sure. Like, no, thank you.
0: Yep. Uh, that's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. Very good. All right. So we are, this, uh, this episode is focusing on the uh, upcoming uh, legislative session. I guess we should actually say two, wait, we've got a special session and then the regular session. Uh, and I don't know why we have a special session, except uh, someone still hasn't learned how to play well with others. Did I, I Yes, I said that out loud, I mean, which but, one? There are yeah. several. Uh, well, the one who called the special session. Okay, right? fine. Yeah, right.
1: yeah, I was having this conversation uh, with somebody just the other day and it, a, a conversation on is, is Governor Stitt, by calling the special session, which isn't functionally going to do much other than, you know, put House members on a vote, which, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have some tax cut votes, maybe a couple different versions. Karma, we can chat about, you know, what we anticipate potentially. But it was a question of, you know, does this help him, hurt him? Does he look foolish? What's the impact? And we sort of came to a conclusion that from a, from an outside the building perspective, from across the state of Oklahoma, if you, if you thought, if you didn't like the governor already, you think this is a big, stupid move. If you liked the governor and you think he's, you know, sticking it to the stupid legislature who can't get things done, you probably like the move, right? And- but then what we what I sort of said was and so that's why I think it's, an, uh, you know, potentially a bad decision to kind of call this is because the bigger impact is in the building.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's going to it could hurt him the whole four months of the regular. Session. Right. Sure.
1: Right. Is that in the message that it sends in the building is one of continued. I think some of the senators would say continued. um you know, a range of adjectives from disrespect to you're not listening to us. You're not hearing us. You're we not respecting you. us as right.
2: another right. branch of government. Right. did this in
1: October. Mm-hmm. You called this. You wanted to have this conversation. We invited you to the Senate A&B meeting to testify and offer your plan on how we should cut this income tax. You said, meh, and held your own press conference instead. And so we just gaveled out and went home. And now, without... very much other discussion or anything really changing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have even a more narrow call a week before Mm -hmm. regular session starts and not just a week before regular session starts, but like, uh, you know, two weeks before they get the final estimated numbers from the Board of Equalization, which, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we hope there's no major change in the economy. But, you know, we saw a few years ago, the price of oil turned negative overnight. You know, I mean, they're just you have things that could change dramatically in the next three or four weeks.
2: I mean, how many headlines have I seen this week that gas prices are now below three dollars, mm-hmm. you know, which is great for drivers, not so great for state revenue, you know?
1: Yeah. So I, I think that if you're the Senate, e- even though everybody's obviously playing politics with all this, if you're the state Senate, there's plenty of reason to be able to say, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this song and dance just because you wrote it on a piece of paper, you know?
0: Well, this is what I don't understand. So as you mentioned, he called this special session in October. Mm -hmm. Uh, Treat basically says, come tell us what you think and why we should do this. He doesn't. Between October and now, apparently he's not coordinated with anybody. He hasn't Met with Treat and said, "Here's what I would like to do. Do you think we could?" None of that has happened, and he comes back and off and says, "I'm going to have another special session, as you said, more narrowly focused, right?" Uh, and uh, and Treat's like, "What's changed? You still haven't visited with us. You still haven't." And well, so- and I
1: think it's a little bit of a both ways haven't visited. I, no. My understanding is that 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 Pro Tem Treat and Governor Stitt's relationship has really you know, uh, taken a hiatus in conversations, oh, you know, um, uh, and I, and I don't know that anything's happened to repair it or get on the same page to your point, James. I get the
0: feeling and you guys are down there a lot more than I am, but I get the feeling that treats getting tired of the governor, assuming he can just tell the legislature what it's going to do. Right. And they're supposed to jump to his, his demands, uh, and that he's getting
1: pretty tired of that. Is that,
2: I think that would be accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it also, however, you know, I I think parallel to that, um, you know, the Senate caucus has been fairly messy for a couple Mm of years Mm -hmm. and it's not aligned. There's not clear um, direction. I mean, if you just go back to the summer with the, the first swing at the compact veto override
2: mm-hmm. yeah. failed uh, you know one of them
1: supposedly failed. they didn't even know that they didn't have the votes yeah. now i don't know that i fully believe that uh-huh. uh but you know i i say and then i was actually thinking about this and maybe we this is this will be the first place that i've even floated this um notion is if we look at how the 2024 session could play out for this tax question you know Traditionally, your thinking would be, well, what's the what's the number one goal of both chambers and every caucus in in a legislative session? It's to guarantee that everybody gets reelected. Right. Like that's what. So that's their that's the cynical place that they're operating from. Right. Well, if you so you think, okay, we've got election year coming up. Yeah. All these Republicans are going to want to, you know, have a a tax cut in their in their belt to go back and run and run for reelection at home. Right. Well, that may be true in the House where everybody's up for election. Right. Senate, but if you look yeah. at the Senate, mm-hmm. A, not everybody's up for election. Right. And B, if you look at the number of what are going to be open seats, it's more than half a dozen. Mm-hmm. And so a lot you're going to have a lot of members, Cody Rogers, Joe Newhouse, Tom Duggar, uh, you know, even Dom. Although I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's. You know, Standridge. I'm sure they they would like to. You know, have their legacy be that they forced through a tax cut. I'm sure. But um, I'll ask Senator Dom next time I go to renew my journalism license uh, what his opinion <laughs> is. But um, I, you know, there's not a necessarily as much pressure as you might think for this election year kind of thing. Now, now Blake Cowboy Stevens, you know, running in a redrawn district where yeah. he's got to introduce himself to half a broken arrow. Yeah, he may want to have, you know, something really taken care of. But it's not like, um, you know, it's not like the folks, a lot of the folks in leadership of the Senate or even rank and file members, it's not like a lot of them have tough reelection situations coming up. You've got Bergstrom and you've got Blake Stevens. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is kind of, eh,
2: I don't know that I have to have this
1: done. Yeah, kind of
2: coast to re-election, mm-hmm. assuming nothing crazy yeah, or happens. Or may not even be
1: running, and, yeah. you know. It, right. it, and so I, I think that, you know, it just I it dawned on me like literally last night that that was a situation. Yeah. And I wondered if that takes a little bit of the pressure off that you would normally think, that you think the House, boy, they're going to be wanting to deliver something yeah. Yeah. Uh, to keep yeah. people. And, and, and traditionally, just for people's knowledge, Right. Like April is the filing period. So you often have the chambers are wanting to get a couple things done ahead of the filing period so that, you know, in the Republican caucus anyway, you're able to look at some of the folks on maybe the, you know, uh, who are a little more conservative or further right politically. You know, you want to kind of cut off their their lane Mm -hmm. to say, well, I have cut taxes. I have, you know, taken action on, on school choice. I have done these things on, you know, that was the big fear in the Republican caucus last year is if they didn't do something on school choice, they were going to get an onslaught Mm -hmm. of candidates challenging incumbents. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. So do we think just kind of piggybacking on this, are, are there going to be as many or maybe more uncontested races?
1: I don't know. I was actually looking just this morning at at what the Senate outline is. And there's a lot of, I mean, those open seats, you know, a lot of them have already drawn uh, several candidates. Yeah. And
2: and some of the folks from the House are trying to jump over to the Senate, like uh, Representative Boatman and what Regina Goodwin. Um, And then the House seems to have a fair amount who aren't running again, like Sherry Conley, Mm -hmm. Marcus McIntyre. But I wouldn't say it's like an abnormal amount.
1: Maybe that's a good segue to talk about like what else we anticipate this session, because I think, you know, if we if we look at how uh, the 2023 regular session unfolded and then, of course, you know, the the concurrent special that they ran Mm -hmm. the budget bills through to not let Stit be able to veto things without an override effort. Um, If we look at how that unfolded it, it really sucked the air out of the room for a ton of other policy. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of,
2: so much got left
1: on the table. right. So much got left on the table that actually, I think, and we, you know, fact check me, uh, peaches or, you know, but, uh, the, you know, whoever, whoever the, the Tony reality is of, you know, at the end of this show, um, I don't think there were as many bills, new bills filed this year as as people might generally expect, because so much policy that was tied up last year is still tied up and yeah. still yeah. active rounds in a lot of ways. And you said Marcus McIntyre, and that made me think he's got a, a bill um, that I think it's I think it's in this I can't remember there was I think it was a Senate bill and now he has it. And it's about um like mid-level nurse practitioner. Uh, scope of practice, prescriptive authority, all those sorts of things. And there's some kind of questions about what the amendments are going to look like on that. But that, my understanding is something that could run very early. Um, And we may see, so, you know, it's interesting, Carmen, like if we describe the normal process, okay, newly filed bills they go to a committee of, of origin first. Well, when those when those House committees hit, they could have a bunch of Senate bills on them day one. And yeah,
2: they could be same, voting on yeah. Senate bills on right. the House floor mm-hmm. first week. Right. The governor could be si- have stuff to sign within the first couple weeks of session, which always blows my mind when we're... <laughs> yeah, for, for folks who maybe aren't super familiar... Two-year right. legislative right. system.
1: 59th legislature, mm-hmm. so, so a bill that is introduced in the first year, which is an odd-numbered year you know, it's still alive through, through that, that second year. Now, if it, so long
0: as it didn't get a vote that down, right. Right.
1: Right. So if it failed in the first year, they can't, you can't even run a new bill of the same topic, you know, it has to be different. So, you know, we've still got a lot of stuff that's alive. There's still all those vetoes that were held, you know, the, so the judicial, uh, Oh gosh, what is it? The judicial evaluation or yeah, the judicial. Yeah, the pay training? raises
2: for state employees or the state elected officials? Didn't right. that right. get. Right. that that's that bound to vetoed. come back.
1: And, um, or did that get vetoed?
2: It oh no, it got dropped it in got, the last days of the down. budget. No,
1: yeah, it got voted down in the Senate. It was, yeah, the, they vo- the Senate voted down Wallace's judicial um, evaluation mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And then, which there's a lot of. My understanding is maybe there's been some acquiescence on that on the district judge level. Part of that is every two years, the board on judicial compensation meets, mm-hmm. and they recommended a 17% yeah. pay raise, I think it was. Um, so if the legislature takes no action, that 17% goes into effect. If the legislature says absolutely not, they they kill it. There's no raise. Or the legislature can say, well, we'll do 9 or 10 or 12%, which... Generally, is what the the, legis- the board on judicial compensation calculates is. Well, we'll ask for a lot more because we know we're only going to get half of whatever we ask. Right, right. Yeah. But my point is, all those dynamics are at play. And yeah, to to Carmen's point, some of those bills are still technically alive for consideration.
2: And there there was like a bunch of stuff that they didn't get to last year. I mean, like the sentencing reform that they've been talking about for years. And I don't fully understand. Sorry, listeners, but that's that's still in the works. I mean, I think last year they had started to talk about giving state employees pay raises Mm -hmm. and then. There was no time or money to discuss discuss it further. I guess.
1: Yeah, I think they've rebranded sentencing reform to sentencing modernization. Is my understanding. Ooh, that, that sounds
2: nice. More fun. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. You know, it's like in other states they're looking at Oklahoma and they're like, they called this, they called the school choice vouchers tax credits. Yeah. <laughs> is that That's all that happened. We let's call them tax credits. We'll pass them Semantics, too. Semantics. You know? Yay. I love it. You look itchy. Uh-oh. What's yeah? No, I? I know, no, no, right? No, no, no. Yes. No, no.
0: No. No. You should fear so, that so face. No, yeah. No. Uh, but let's talk about. So it is an election year. Itchy. We've already seen itchy uh, it's <laughs> show. <laughs> We've already seen uh, some some interesting bills filed. What stands out to you? Do any of these have any chance of actually going anywhere? Uh, that's always um, one of my criticisms. Is some legislator files some bill more than likely just to get attention, mm-hmm. has no no real, not going to make any real effort to move this legislation, and people freak out over it. They just go up an arm. I'm really it, concerned about the furries in my the, daughter's right, public school.
1: I, I, you mean to tell me that Representative J.J. J. Humphrey is not always a serious broker of <laughs> legislative proposals? I'm not calling anybody out. I'm no just comments. saying. I am
0: just saying. that. So, but does anything stand out to you? And does of those that stand out, do any of those things? Do you think have an opportunity to actually move to get action?
2: I mean, I, okay. The past couple of weeks, you know, we've seen a lot of journalists and other people tweeting. Oh, here's this wild bill or that outrageous bill that has been filed. And what I like to remind people is that they don't do this in the Senate so much, but in the House, mm-hmm. there's just a ton of shell bills. Right. And what I find right. is that the as you go through session. Those shell bills that become real bills, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody pops some language in it and those are often more, I don't know, concerning, alarming to some. And those are the ones that actually have legs. It's not the ones that get filed before the bill filing deadline Mm -hmm. that are made to put on a Mm -hmm. campaign flyer Mm -hmm. or go out in a House press release or Senate press release Mm -hmm. just to get somebody some attention.
1: Right. Or literally troll, you know, journalists. Now,
0: my understanding... My understanding in the House is they're limited to the number of bills that they, they're not necessarily limited to the number of bills they can offer. They can offer a bunch of shell bills, Mm -hmm. but they're limited in the number of bills that they can actually try to move forward, Mm -hmm. right? So seven or eight that they can say, I'm serious about this. And those are the bills we should be watching, right? The ones that they actually get assigned to a committee and they're going to try to move through in some way. Yeah.
2: And then, I mean, it's always, you can look on the national stage and see, you know, well, what, what are Republicans pushing there? You know, they're right. pushing back against, you know, transgender kids still and mm-hmm. anti-LGBTQ bills and then, you know, more restrictions on abortion, even though they, we basically outlawed abortion here. Well, and so. that's an
1: interesting, I, I haven't even talked to anybody yet about what, what may occur uh, on abortion. You know, you know, the yeah. Senate speaking of, you know, uh, disagreements you know they had a pretty significant disagreement last year as some of the supreme court rulings were coming down Mm -hmm. you know should should the legislature uh you know codify um some exemptions for you know instances of rape and incest right Mm -hmm. you know a which is a small number of all abortions done every year um but it's also from a you know this is almost gross to Calculate it from a political standpoint, but, you know, there will be a, I think, a public vote at some point in Oklahoma on on where we draw the line. Yeah. Right. And like that's that's yeah, sort of yeah, the I the agree. the function of that's the right. of the recent Supreme Court ruling. Right. right? Is that it says like each state sets right. their right. You know, policy. Mm-hmm. And so there there will be some sort of question now, if if uh, you know, if the language that gets put to the voters in Oklahoma says, you know, second trimester or third, tri- you know, if, if the, if it's a long, that might fail. If it's, if it's a narrow window, mm-hmm. I think that probably has a decent chance of passing. If you look at Kansas, I know some, you know, Republican women who, mm-hmm. you know, they're not standing on the street corner shouting it, but they'll vote for, Absolutely. you know, having women have the ability to have, mm-hmm. um, you know, choice. And I think if you look, so the cal the political calculation, uh, that some people were having in the Senate last year, and I, I don't want to say specific senators on which side because it's been a minute since I revisited this, but some people believed that they needed to pass some codification of rape and incest exemptions because if it didn't... To
2: try to heat off a right. ballot measure. Right. That
1: is that is a, a compelling, yeah. uh, you know, political argument or advertisement mm-hmm. for folks who are pro-choice. And so sure. the Senate has been very split. You have your sort of uh, abortion abolitionist world, Warren Hamilton group, Mm -hmm. you know, probably more Dom, that kind of world who's just absolutely, we're not going to do anything, hold the line, no access, criminal penalties, all these things.
2: But then you have like the Julie Daniels types who has introduced a number of our anti-abortion laws over the years and gotten them passed. And now she's the one behind the push to, you know, add. Right exceptions for rape and incest
1: she's not happy about it right she she feels like that she didn't agree with the supreme court decisions but she felt like you know that the state needed to have a a workable law for those scenarios and so yeah you have that split in the legislature and it's going to be interesting to see if there's you know amid all these other things that are going on is there robust discussion about that or is it just another thing where eh, we're not going to touch it because in some ways, you know, if you're Charles McCall, and it's widely believed you're looking at a Republican gubernatorial primary, you don't want one of your last, you know, efforts on abortion. To be on
2: something yeah. that could be construed as pro-choice. Yes. Right. Yes.
1: You know, so again, we're talking about the politics of it versus the health care of it, which yeah. is, you know.
2: You, you brought up a good point, though, that, you know, this is an election year and this is kind of the year that the legislature will decide what, if anything, they refer to the ballot because usually, you know, and so they could refer their own abortion question to the ballot if they wanted to heat off some sort of, you know.
0: Emily and I were having this discussion the other day uh, and I was, I am surprised that there hasn't been an effort to get a state question on this issue. We've seen its success in Kansas, in Ohio, in Michigan, in other states. Uh, that uh, that uh, voters have carved out uh, uh, some type of protection for abortion in limited cases or, or whatnot. Uh, and I've just been surprised that there wasn't an effort uh, kind of to, to put something like that as a state question on the ballot. I wasn't thinking it coming from kind of the right, right? I wasn't thinking of it coming from Republican politicians who... Uh, want to
2: want to narrow whatever those exceptions are. But um, I think my best guess as to why that hasn't happened yet is because you would need a lot of money to mm, to, to shepherd true. that ballot initiative into a winning position, mm-hmm. basically. Like, I, you know, um, one, I think Trace is right that you have to be very careful in how you write that question for voters yeah. to make it pass or to hopefully make it if you want to hope that it passes. But then too, I mean, I think you need, you need the big money from like groups like Planned Planned Parenthood and groups like Planned Parenthood are more focused on States where they, they perceive that they have a better chance of winning. Mm -hmm. Um, And so maybe they'll start there and then move to States like Oklahoma. That's my guess.
1: Yeah. I I don't know. I mean that, you know, part of, I think why we don't know, you know, speaks to the, the challenges that the, the Democratic Party and, and sort of the political left of Oklahoma have. And when I say challenges, I, I mean, I have a friend who who sort of jokes, like, when you say the Democratic Party of Oklahoma, like, what do you mean? Like, what is that? You know, and I don't mean that to be in an insulting way, but, like, it is just I, I'm not clear. I, I don't I don't I, I don't get outreach to I don't like there's not you know, I'm not clear what the wh- where these things sort of come from. Uh, I know that that former Governor Walters has been, you know, historically supportive of certain ballot measures and some, you know, progressive efforts. And he's sort of a a, a leader in, in that realm. Um, I know there's, you know, a, a coordinated effort uh, underway on the minimum wage, you know, and that state question is going through the legal challenge process right okay. now. And that's, you know, so maybe there's a calculation of, hey, that's a good one for 2024. And then maybe we look at you know, an, an abortion question in 25 or 26? I I don't know. But I, I think that that does speak to the question of, Carmen, if you were to say who's in charge of those decisions for sort of the political left in Oklahoma, I don't yeah. know that it's clear who is.
2: No, I mean, there's that one group that formed We Are Rising. rising. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. that I, I think if there were to be a ballot measure effort, yeah. they, would they would be, yeah. be yeah. behind yeah. it. But I mean, yeah, the I, right. there is no.
1: I think I got an email about that group, but I mean, I don't.
2: There's no structure behind, you know, the Democrat. Well, I'm gonna get myself in trouble here, crap. but they're they're not as organized. So, yeah, it, I, and
1: I don't think that that's a controversial yeah. statement. I it's think not. everybody would. It's not. It's no,
0: <laughs> if you look at the newly released regist- voter registration mm-hmm. stats for the state, the Democrat Party continues to lead bleed. registered voters, right? What, 7%? Yeah, the only party to actually have a decline Mm -hmm. in the number of voters uh, over the previous year, right? And they're down to like 28% uh, of of the state of registered voters. If you combine independents and libertarians, Mm -hmm. you're at roughly 20%. I mean... Uh, there's no infrastructure there mm-hmm. uh, as a party, they, and, and and we well, continue looking- to see this in in races, especially statewide races, where the Democrat Party can't even field candidates for some of these yeah. statewide offices. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I think if you look at the the recent now I'll get myself in trouble, but if we look at the mm-hmm. recent uh, you know maps arena vote mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City, yeah. you know the 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 opposition was you know a sort of a couple similar grassroots activists, you know. Largely led by kind of two white male polarizing figures, mm. you know, who are not, uh, you you know, ha- have not shown a, pro- a proclivity to to you know win, uh, you know, major races even in Oklahoma right. County, and so I think that, you know, if you if you look around and you go, well, who is going to maybe push that? I don't, I do not know the answer to that question.
0: Well, I'm, and again, this this goes back to. How what people consider conservative today is way different than what I grew up thinking conservative. But but I think uh, a ballot measure that said uh, there's going to be some protection for a right to obtain an abortion for the uh, race ra- rape incest life of the mother within some narrow narrowish window. Mm-hmm. I think you I, go further used than to be that. The pro, that I, used to be the pro-life position.
1: I right. well, and, but I do think you. I, I do think, yeah, sure. That used to be the pro-life right. position. Right. You're right, but I, I do think you. You would have. I think it would have to have some sort of choice without those circumstances. Right. Yeah. Within within first trimester, within yeah. right. 16 weeks or yeah, I, forgive yeah. me, I don't know I, the numbers off the top I, of my head. I think
0: yeah. I think something in that would probably pass. And I mean, if you put it, it, would it to be voters, pretty
1: close. Right. I if guess, you put it to yeah. voters, because I think there's a lot of there's I think there's a lot of women who yeah, are governor, independents yes. and Republicans who, if as long as it's not viewed as something, you know, very broad. Mm-hmm. And you know, I yeah. think who are going to go. I don't want my self or my child Mm -hmm. to be you know in a situation where they could not
3: especially as these stories come out of texas and other states where you know women are in desperation you know
1: when when we did the 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 gubernatorial debate in october 2022 uh wow so long ago um Mm -hmm. we phrased the question to the candidates uh in circumstances of Rape, incest, or addiction. Mm-hmm. And that literally was just something that we kind of came yeah. up with yeah. because I think it isn't really, I think if we have a, a, a reasonable conversation with people, and you, and you, you, if you, you know, we know addiction is a disease now, right? Um, and, you know, even Governor Stitt's wife has been very mm-hmm. uh, vocal on, uh, you know, addiction and, mm-hmm. and recovery and those sorts of things as being, um, you know, something we should talk about, right? Well, if if you have a a woman who is an addict to uh, an opiate, to an amphetamine, and she determines she's pregnant, and she's got, you know, she knows she's not where she wants to be in life to have this child, Mm -hmm. and she knows that she has an illness that is going to not only affect her life, but the health of the child, Mm -hmm. and... It's just a very, you know, I really wonder what people, if they were pulled on that would think, like, Mm -hmm. are we saying we should, you know, require this woman to carry this baby to to term? If she is saying, I know that I'm not where I need to be Mm -hmm. because I have this, you know, condition that I'm, is not easy to address. Right. And is going to take some work. I, I just, I think that even if you put those, um, I don't know if you put that in statute, but, um, I think that that if you really have those conversations with the public, you know, it's not a black and white issue, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think there's a lot of I think it would be really interesting to see what voters did.
0: Right. Yeah. Any other issues that you think are going to be hot on the plate? Tribal
2: issues. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we did. I thought it was very interesting, Carmen, Um on January 11th and 12th, Governor Kevin Stitt and Chickasaw Nation Governor Bill Anitubby signed new uh, tobacco taxation and motor vehicle compacts. Um, you know, those conversations and negotiations had been going on all the way back to the summer. I I staked out a meeting, uh, you know, and took blurry pictures from across the street. And <laughs> some people didn't like that, you know. And, and I was like, but look, they're actually like talking about it. You know, there's the lawyers. And... um they, anyway, they got this stuff signed uh, January 11th and 12th and then crickets. Yeah. There was no, yeah. there was no discussion of it. Um,
2: well, I heard that, you know, through the grapevine that it was the, I think that they had wanted to talk to other tribes and not just it be blasted wow. out in the media right away before, you know, there could be a broader discussion amongst tribal leaders of like, oh, hey, we signed these compacts. Here's why. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I heard through the grapevine. Well, that probably makes
1: some sense. But I mean, it was if you, weird. If, if you are, if this administration is, you know, actively trying to, you know, make those, um, uh, make that outreach, you know, which I think they, gener- they have done a better job lately. Now, uh, again, and this kind of goes to where I wanted to take it, is that the political messaging back— mm-hmm is oh no he they, he won't negotiate you know that that's how i even found out that all that that meeting was going on back in the summer was because i knew there were conversations ongoing and then the the five tribes council put out the statement that said stip won't negotiate on these yeah. these compacts and there was obvious consternation from the stip administration which was like we are literally like in negotiations, in negotiations right. or we have all these emails back and forth and i was sort of having this conversation and i was like emails you say you know like let me <laughs> give me those i would like to request those and like they chose to give them to me and then i was like there's a meeting huh i know when the meeting date is i know who some of the people are let me see if i can find let me confirm that this meeting's happening you know and so i think that you have this political so so the cynical part of me would say you know after they wait seven days eight days to to announce that and, and frankly they just to be clear, neither the state administration or the anti-administration announced the compacts, right? The Senate did for some reason Mm -hmm. that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And the Senate announces them, sends them out there. And I call, I'm calling around on the weekend, trying to get, it's just sitting out at noon on Saturday Mm -hmm. and, you know, confirm that this is really going on, but I can't get a statement from either, you know, an official statement from either governor or anything like that. And neither of them, issues any statement till like, late Monday. And in the meantime, like, Monday afternoon, I get an email from a Chickasaw Nation citizen who's like, I've been talking to some tribal legislators, and they say that your story is all false, and this is all made up. And I was like, well, here's the... That's because they
2: took the compacts down after they had been posted.
1: Yeah, here's the... Oh, did they take them down off the state website?
2: Well, so they were posted that Friday. Oh,
1: on SOS On the Secretary of State's
2: website. And then... Like I had called the governor's office in the Chickasaw Nation on Friday and then they took them down. I wasn't the only person calling. I saw
1: Molly with the Oklahoman had a, uh, it was like records indicate there's a deal, but there was no information. I guess nobody downloaded them.
2: Yeah. It was weird that in the week that they, you know, had, after they had made this agreement and they hadn't posted the, you know, the agreements yet, that they hadn't come up with sort of a coordinated or even a separate media strategy of like, how are we going to announce this? Well, this
1: is my cynical take on it, is that I think that you could make, you know, it, it could be that sort of the base for both administrations, like the base supporters for both of those leaders, didn't really, really want this you know they, I was exactly. going to
0: say so they're in this right. weird thing where mm-hmm. they're actually working together to try to to get get a resolution to this issue right. which is what most of us would want them to be doing but they can't say we're working together uh, because then they lose support from, from uh, yes, their yeah. electoral base or right. something, right? You know, it, yeah. that is the craziest thing. Kind of like and even
2: also- even Governor Stitt's statement after they did announce that, you know, hey, we signed this agreement with the Chickasaw Nation. It wasn't even like this, oh, woo, we're yeah. celebrating. It it's was so like, fun. oh yeah. yeah, we got, ter- we, now we can, you know, adequately tack turnpike, you know, assess turnpike tolls or whatever, which they were doing before. And I took
1: that, well, under the Chickasaw and Choctaw agreements, you know, I I took that as a bit of a, you know, subtle reference to the fact that they have concerns with other tribes, Uh, you know, car car tag. Kind of trying to force
2: them to the table. right?
1: And then I saw yesterday, I think Chief Hoskin with the Cherokee Nation tweeted something that was like, $8 $8 million in two or I, I, whatever million billion dollars, you know, over, over the last 20 years have been sent just, you know, just random. Here's a stat, you know, here's how much we've, mu-, you know, and I think it's just, it's just so we've reached this point where, you know, as somebody who follows this stuff pretty closely, it's, it, it is exhausting, yeah, you tedious. know, yeah.
0: well, and, and and I'm gonna be, you know, honest here for a second that um, not you, I know, right. Uh, hey, I haven't ranted today, Not yet. so, uh, you know, we have seven credit. minutes, <laughs> <Drop in. laughs> but on one hand, I want to be like, hey, maybe Stid has actually learned I've got to do some stuff and I've got to cooperate and I've got to negotiate. Uh, but then it's like, but I can't tell anybody I'm doing it. I don't want anybody to know I'm doing it for some reason. But and it's,
3: it's, I mean, the same thing on in national politics, though, like Trump getting the COVID shot, right? right. I mean, I can't tell anybody because I've, you know, riled my right. base up to believe this one thing yeah. or,
0: you know, so fervently. that. So it's, it's, it's just like this should be a positive and we should all be yeah, happy absolutely. that those negotiations were going on and it yeah. got an outcome that everybody thinks is going to be relatively positive or at least as good as we can get. Uh, and... Uh, and yet n- nobody wants to take credit Consensus for Consensus and compromise are not
3: part of this uh, well, politique that we have currently. No, we can't. I,
1: I know you guys are hosting and I'm not asking questions, but I'm going to ask questions and, and put those spotlight on Trey you. You're Trey Savage.
3: This is uh, the way this goes. Uh,
1: what are, pop quiz, what are two things, and there could be more. I, you know, I, I just have two in my mind. What What are some things that could fundamentally alter this legislative session coming up that we're not maybe we haven't talked about yet that could totally change the dynamics of what what this legislation said legislative session ends up being we're talking one tribal we're talking Mm -hmm. state tribal issues Mm -hmm. so what would that be
2: the supreme court ruling on on the previous on strobel or on this previous on the compact extension so they're weighing two different major tribal cases. Right.
1: Yeah. And the, uh, and I think, one, well, I think that, so Carmen got both of them. Uh, so we have Strobel Strobel yeah. versus the tax commission, which is the question of, of uh, income tax, right. Uh, right. income taxation. And we can come back to that here in a minute or, you know, on the state's jurisdiction to tax the income of tribal citizens who live and work on their reservations. And then yes, there's challenges. Um, I don't think it's just on the compact extensions. I think it's on every bill they ran through the concurrent legislative session and so there's some belief that there could be a you know a a situation where the supreme court essentially throws out last year's budget
2: no 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 it's um (laughs) it's i think it's just on the bills that he vetoed the the governor vetoed and the legislature came back to override in special session because he didn't veto the budget bills i think so he didn't
1: sign the budget bills Yes, and so, right. but I think one of the arguments, and so this is where, yeah, where weeds, reality, but-, <laughs> but I think, because I, I had the same, I didn't realize that somebody else was explaining to me recently, but I, th- I think some of the argument is that uh, it was not appropriate to run those through to, to run all of the other budget components that they did through, through concurrent session, concurrent session. And which sort of explains why Stit he didn't veto them. Right. But he didn't right. sign them either, right. yeah. and he he didn't cause he didn't want to give you know credence mm-hmm. to the fact that I think this is a legitimate way to do it. So yeah. there's some some belief that there could be. One or more of those things, you know, that that get sort of tossed up and now the legislature ends up having to craft two budgets.
2: Oh, don't even tell, uh, don't uh, even say uh, that. that. <laughs> don't jinx us <laughs> like that. Remi-
1: I know, I know. Um, do we have time to talk Strobel real quick? We, very quickly. Okay, I, so, I got my so. five minute notice. So. so Alicia Strobel is a Muskogee mm-hmm. Creek citizen. Um, she lives and works within the boundaries of Muskogee Nation. I, I think she derives her income from the tribe. I can't remember off the top of my head that mm-hmm. De- there's a... There are two precedents. I I believe that she will prevail in the Supreme yeah, Court. I, I, I thought that if you looked at the oral arguments, mm-hmm. justices, some justices were sort of reaching for what might be a way we could rule in the state's favor. Mm-hmm. Probably either way, this is going to the U.S. Supreme Court, yeah. right? Yeah, um, but the but the the state tax code is fairly clear now. The state tax code specifically says that you must derive your income from the tribe. Right. Right. But that's pretty clear. Um, and then, of course, the Sac and Fox U.S. Supreme Court ruling from uh, 1991, maybe, um, I, I also think is is pretty clear. And it doesn't it doesn't specify uh, from where you drive your income. It's if you drive your drive your if you live and work within reservation boundaries, a state has no no income tax jurisdiction over you. And so I think those are. Pretty straightforward, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so now the impact of this, you know, is maybe estimated at $75 million, something, somewhere therein, potentially. Because you've got, just to be clear, the reservations that have been affirmed mm-hmm. are the five tribes in eastern Oklahoma. You have the Quapaw, you have the Peoria-Miami tribe, I believe, yeah. um, and maybe one other. And so, but then the tribes in western Oklahoma, different treaties, different treaties. Reservation was rejected for the Cheyenne and Arapaho, um, and other tribes do not have the same standpoint. And so, I think you know we talked about people have rooting interests, almost like the sportification of politics. Yes. People are either for the tribe, for the you know, or not you know against it, or they're you know whatever it would be. But I think it really you know from a not to not to use the governor's term, but of fairness. I think the Strobel ruling will really set up an interesting standpoint of like, do who who has to pay income tax mm, and right. what all what all does that cover? And and think of it this way: if you had Kevin Stitt, if he lived on the Cherokee Nation within the reservation boundaries, and I don't know that his percentage, I haven't seen his his card. Right. That's kind of not, it's kind of frowned upon to ask that sort of thing. But he is a he is a white passing tribal citizen, right? <clears throat> and and did not grow up in the, mm-hmm. the culture and all yes, these sorts of right. things. And he's a wealthy individual. If he would be exempt from state income tax, and yet a full-blood Comanche citizen who works for the Comanche Nation in southwest Oklahoma has to pay tribal income, has yeah. to pay state income tax, yeah. that's a really, how do you, how do we couch that as a society? Right. 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 Especially, especially when you consider that, let's not even say Comanche, which is a sort of a larger tribe of Western right. Oklahoma. But There's a lot of smaller tribes and, po- and historically much poorer tribes. Yes, right. And those tribal citizens who, uh, you know, uh, view themselves as culture keepers and, you know, uh, leaders of mm-hmm. their tribe's history in a modern context, they have to pay state income tax. But a Kevin Stitt does not. That is just that seems like if you phrase it like that, it seems really hard to think that that's the way we're going to run society here in Oklahoma. Right. And so and so to that end, that's where, you know, McCall, Eccles, everybody has already said, well, we'll just repeal the income tax for everybody. Right. And. Maybe that's a solution, but then where do we backfill exactly. that half a billion that's, dollars? That's
0: what they're going to have exactly. to figure out. Is how billions do we, how of dollars. Do we, I think yeah. it's
2: like multi-billions. Yeah, yeah. 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 a lot where, of money. Where do
0: we get that That come from? Well, we are butting up against the deadline. Fresh out the of time. time frame. We, I appreciate both Carmen yes. and Trace coming on. This has been a fantastic
2: it conversation. It has been.
3: We'll have you back very soon. Yeah, yes.
2: thanks for having us. Thank uh, you.
0: There, there'll there be no shortage of things to discuss, I'm sure, this year. Never is. All right. Thank you, everybody. And remember, politics is not a spectator sport. That's right. See you next time.
3: We love communication that goes both ways, not just you listening to us pontificate. We would love to hear from our audience. If you have comments, suggestions, or would like to contact us about possibly being a guest on the show, please email notmygeneration at edu.